Thank you, Shelley. May God add his blessing to the reading of the scripture this morning. And may we hear God's voice speaking to us in these moments. In 1631, King Charles ordered 1,000 Bibles to be printed from an English printer whose name was Robert Barker. Printing wasn't an exact science back then like it is today, and often mistakes were made, and usually they were overlooked, but not this time. You see, Barker, when he printed those 1,000 Bibles, he left out one word in the seventh commandment in the book of Exodus. He left out the word not. So it said that God had commanded Moses, thou shalt commit adultery, instead of thou shalt not commit adultery. King Charles was not amused by this, and he ordered all those Bibles to be destroyed. And he fined Barker 300 pounds sterling, which... I read is a lifetime of wages in those days and revoked his printing license, put him out of business. I'm sure that there are some people who would like to rewrite at least some of the Ten Commandments. In her autobiography, My Life So Far, actress Jane Fonda gave some interesting details about dating and then marrying the media executive Ted Turner. On one of their first dates, she said, he bragged about replacing the Ten Commandments with what he called the Ten Voluntary Initiatives, including caring for the earth, having no more than two children per family, and some other things. He said that in the modern world, people just couldn't stomach being commanded to do anything. And so he instead came up with these voluntary initiatives. He might have been right about people not wanting to be commanded. People don't like being told what to do. But replacing the Ten Commandments, I think, is, well, I know, is definitely going overboard. Ronald Reagan once said this, quote, I have wondered at times what the Ten Commandments would look like if Moses had run them through the U.S. Congress. Wouldn't that be interesting? With Congress in charge, we would have probably no Ten Commandments. The Democrats would be in one corner, the Republicans would be in another corner, and the two of them would probably never meet, so they probably would never get them passed. There have been many fights to post the Ten Commandments in public places. We had one in Ottawa here in not too awfully long ago. I think that I would prefer, personally, that rather than putting the Ten Commandments up in a public place and posting them. Not that there's anything wrong with that, I don't think. But I would rather that we would post the Great Commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself, from Matthew. Love for God and love for neighbors tells us everything we need to know about the Ten Commandments, and we don't need all those things listed. Because if we truly love God, and we love other people, and we love ourselves, we're not going to do those things that we're commanded not to do. At least, it's going to be minimal. 
I hope that you were listening when Shelley read the commandments for us this morning and when I shared them with the kids, with sort of a kid's version. I want to make a few comments about the Ten Commandments this morning. First of all, they were given to us by God. They were given to us by God for our protection. There is a popular misconception that God is this old grumpy, bumpus, fuddy-duddy up in the sky who doesn't want us to have any fun. I don't think that's true. In fact, I think the opposite is true. I think that God wants us to experience great joy in life, to do the things that give us joy and bring us happiness, as long as we're not hurting others or doing anything immoral. But it would be, you know, God wants us to experience joy in our lives, but it would be awful to live in a society where these laws were totally disregarded. These commandments were given for our protection. Author Stanley Baldwin says that he remembers a childhood trip along the Pacific coast with his family, and it was during World War II. We were afraid that the Japanese were going to attack our coast, and so the government enforced what were called dim-out rules in those days, and the beaches were closed in the evenings. Well, Stanley and his family stopped at a motel one day, and they were going to spend the night there, so they decided to take a walk along the beach. And it was dark, and they just went out to get some fresh air and have a little walk. Well, little Stanley ran down the beach ahead of everybody else, and he came to a barricade. There was a wall that was put up that was blocking him from going on to the part of the beach that he thought he wanted to go to. Well, like any other boy, he decided he was going to go there anyway, and he started to climb up the wall. But just as he got to the top, his sister yelled out to him, and he stopped. And he looked back, and right about then, some soldiers drove up, guns and all, and the leader of those soldiers chewed, chewed him out and the rest of his family for being there at all at, in the evening and at night and sent them back to the hotel. Well, the next morning, when it was light outside, they took a walk back to that same area, that barricade wall, to see the beach. Imagine little Stanley's surprise when he looked over the wall and he saw a 40-foot drop to the rocky coastline below. If his sister hadn't called for him when she did, if the soldiers hadn't arrived and sent them back to the hotel and he'd have gone over that, he might have jumped over that wall in the darkness and not knew what he was doing and been hurt terribly or killed. He thought the barricade wall had been blocking him from something that would be fun and some sort of freedom. Little did he know that it was really there to protect him, to protect him from danger. Same way with the Ten Commandments. God didn't give them to us as an obstacle to a full life, but a guide for a full life and a happy life. In the book, which I think has a very amusing title, Don't Just Do Something, Sit There, the author tells about an interesting incident that happened in their church. The leader of their congregation is a laborer, and in their denomination, he's called a bishop. He is sincere and dedicated, but he is not educated. 
He's not very well spoken. One of the members in that same church is a highly trained psychiatrist slash therapist and has several degrees. It seems that several people from the church were going to see both the uneducated bishop and the very educated therapist for advice and for counseling. Some of them felt they were getting more help from the bishop than they were from the psychiatrist. And they told that to the psychiatrist. Well, she was a little upset, so she went to the bishop and asked him what his secret was, that people were more pleased and more fulfilled by what he had to say. What methods or teaching or counseling or therapy did he use that was so effective in helping people to improve their mental and emotional health? And he said, I, I, I take that question very seriously. And then he gave, him a very blunt, gave her a very blunt answer. He said, well, I ask them questions until I figure out which commandment they're breaking, and then I tell them to stop it. Maybe he's on to something there. Maybe not. No question, you can't willingly break God's laws and do some of the things that are, are, we're told not to do and have a completely happy life. The Ten Commandments were given to us by God for our protection, for our good. It's helpful to mention that the Ten Commandments are divided in three parts. The first three commandments deal with our relationship with God. I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. All having to do with our relationship with God. The commandments begin where they should, with God. The great H.G. Wells once said something that's very, that was very profound. He said, if there isn't a God, then nothing matters. If there is a God, nothing else matters. How true. If there isn't a God, nothing matters. If there is a God, nothing else matters. One reason we treasure those Ten Commandments is that we believe they come from God. Augustine said that all ethics can be summed up in this one quote. Love God. Love God and do what you will. If you really love God, the soul that truly loves God will want to do what God loves and what God wants her or him to do. And so we begin by pledging our allegiance to God above everything else in life. We have no other gods, not money, not status, not power, not comfort in this life. We will not make any image. We will not bow down before any other image, even if it's the flag of our country. As important and meaningful as it is to us, it is not more important than our God. He is first in all things, always. We will reverence God's name in every situation and in all things. And in all we do, we will try to bring honor to God's name. The first three commandments deal with our relationship with God. The fourth commandment deals with our relationship with ourselves. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. That might surprise you. Isn't the Sabbath something that we owe to God? Yes, 
But remember that when Jesus was criticized by the Pharisees for letting his disciples pick some grain while they were going through a grain field on the Sabbath, Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made for man. That was an amazing teaching by Jesus. The Sabbath was made for people. The Pharisees had all kinds of legalistic laws about keeping the Sabbath and doing nothing. Many of them were hard to keep. Remember how they even criticized Jesus for healing a man on the Sabbath. It was stunning for Jesus to say that the Sabbath was meant for humans rather than for God. But you might say, what does that say about worship on the Sabbath? God does mean for us to worship him on the Sabbath, but worship isn't only for God. God doesn't need me to worship him. He doesn't need that. But God knows that I need to worship him and that you need to worship God. We need to do that. We need to stop and pause and praise God for what he's done for us. At least once a week, we need to sit together like we're doing right now and remember the good things that he's given us in this life and the care and compassion and love that he has for each of us and spend some time together as a church family. Everybody needs a Sabbath, a time to rest, a time to slow down, a time to reflect. When the Bible was written, it was normal in those days for the average person to labor every single day, seven days a week. Not uncommon at all. But that's not right. Everyone needs a Sabbath. Everyone needs a time of rest. Working all the time is bad for you. And if you do it, stop doing it. Take some time off. Back in the 1880s, there was a wagon train that was traveling from St. Louis to Oregon along the Oregon Trail. Its members were all Christians. So the whole group got into the habit of every Sabbath day stopping and resting for that day. And then they would again travel the next day. Winter was coming quickly. And some of the people in the wagon train began to panic. They were afraid they weren't going to get to Oregon before the heavy snows hit. And so they suggested to the rest of the group that they should quit stopping for the Sabbath and keep driving onward seven days a week. Well, this idea divided the community. Finally, they decided that the wagon train would split into two groups. They wouldn't travel together anymore. Instead, one group would continue to observe the Sabbath and would stop, and the other would just keep going seven days a week. The ones who kept the Sabbath, believe it or not, got to Oregon first. The people and their horses were well rested after the Sabbath day. They could travel better, faster, more effectively because they'd had that day of rest. Everyone needs and deserves a Sabbath. And then the last six commandments, all six of them, deal with our relationships with other people. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. 
You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house, your neighbor's wife, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. All related to people. Author Ron Meal wrote a book called The Tender Commandments. And he says that the Ten Commandments are tender commandments. Common sense rules that we could not live without in this life. Of course, some of these rules are ignored these days. A mother complained to her teacher, to her child's teacher, that other students were stealing her pencils. And she said, it's not the money. That's not the principle. My husband took those pencils from work for my daughter to use. We live in a time when morality is kind of relative. The absolutes are old-fashioned. I believe that one reason we need to take them seriously is that it's part of our witness to the world that we are followers of Jesus. The great comedian Jack Benny was Jewish. And Jack Benny was very proud of his Jewish heritage. Once he got ready to broadcast a program live just before Yom Kippur, as most of you probably know, Yom Kippur, also known as the Day of Atonement, is the holiest day of the year for Jewish people. And it begins at sundown in Los Angeles, where his program was going to be broadcast from. The program would end before the sun went down. So he would, be honor- he would still be honoring Yom Kippur. But Mr. Benny realized that back east, people would be listening. And the sun would have already set. And people might, not, might think that he's working on this holy day and desecrating that holy day. And someone said, well, the Jews will be in the synagogue, Mr. Benny. They won't even know the difference. Why worry about it? But, but Mr. Benny had an answer to that. He said, I wasn't thinking only of the Jews. I wouldn't like for the Gentiles to think either that I don't respect my religion. One reason that he observed the Jewish Holy Day, was as a witness. How much more important is it that we respect these commandments as a witness to the rest of the world, those who are not yet followers of Jesus? Yes, Jesus did set us free from the laws and from all those demands that we find in the Old Testament. But these commandments are just as applicable to us today as guides for our lives. Guides for our relationships with God, our relationships with other people, and our relationships with our families. Just as alive today as they were then. May we remember these things. Amen.